Well, good morning, New Day. Thank you guys so much for coming out, each and every one of you. However you're joining us today, in person or online, I just want to say I'm so glad that you're here. For those of you who are new, uh, right now as a church, we're studying through the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, in our study, we've now come to Matthew chapter 13. And in Matthew 13, we find a mini-series within Matthew's Gospel on the subject of the parables of Jesus. So we've just been studying through each of the parables, and we'll continue to do that uh, for several more weeks to come. But today, we're studying the parable of the mustard seed as well as the parable of the leaven. These two uh, pair together very nicely. Two different parables. Each makes the same point. Um, And these are found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. I recently finished a book called Invent and Wonder by Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon. I really enjoyed it. As I read the book, I was amazed at Amazon's humble beginnings compared to what Amazon has become today. If you're a teenager or a young adult in the house, even if you're not, you may not know this, but Amazon actually began only selling books. Anybody remember back in the day when they only sold books? I was first introduced to Amazon as a college student Someone was uh, talking with me about buying books, and they said, don't go to the college bookstore. You're going to pay a million dollars there. Go to Amazon.com. And I'm like, what in the world is Amazon.com? And they said, look, it's a place where you can get books for cheap. And I said, sign me up. So that's exactly what I did, and that was my first experience uh, with Amazon. But they started back in 1994 just selling books. And the company operated out of Jeff's home along with his then wife, Mackenzie. It was the only thing you could buy for the first four years of Amazon's existence, just books. And Jeff used to sit on his living room floor personally packaging each and every book. And then he'd throw them in his car and would personally drive them to the post office where they could be shipped. Right from the start, Jeff knew that in time, he wanted it to be what he calls an everything store. But to begin, they just had books. He planned for it to be big, and that's why he named it Amazon. He had this really weird name. Amazon was originally going to be like Abracadabra or something like that, but uh, Cadabra sounded too much like uh, cadaver, which is a dead body. And so they switched the names uh, to, to Amazon, but it was originally incorporated as cadaver, uh, abracadabra, sorry, cadabra. And uh, yeah, so not cadaver, cadabra. But he knew he wanted it to be huge. So instead of uh, cadabra, he changed it to Amazon, which was the name of the biggest uh, river in the world. And he said that spoke to his desire for him to have one day the biggest e-commerce store in the world. And they've come quite a way since their humble beginnings. I'm going to do a little Amazon back then, Amazon today. I think you'll enjoy it. Amazon back then, two employees, Jeff and Mackenzie. Amazon today, 1.5 million employees. Amazon back then, they started selling just books. So back then they had one product. Amazon today, over 12 million different products. Amazon back then, zero profit year one. Amazon today, over $512 billion in sales last year alone. 
Amazon back then, 1994, one fulfillment center. Jeff and Mackenzie's living room floor, that was the fulfillment center. Amazon today, 175 fulfillment centers across the globe. And if you have never been to an Amazon fulfillment center, it's going to blow your mind. They say everything's bigger in Texas. Well, I saw an Amazon fulfillment center in Texas. Oh my goodness. You, you just, words cannot tell. It's unbelievable how big they are. Absolutely mind-boggling. But it's because of success stories like Amazon and many others that we today have the modern-day proverb, mighty oaks from little acorns grow. Now, if you're new to church, this is not in the Bible, okay? This is just a modern-day proverb, mighty oaks from little acorns grow. And what this means is that sometimes uh, something large and successful begins in a small and insignificant way. And we have so many business owners here at our church, and so you know exactly what I'm talking about. New Day Church is actually a great illustration of that. We started with eight, and now we're running over 1,800 you know, a week. Many things that have uh, you know, become large in time started in a very small and insignificant way. Even the greatest of enterprises, like Amazon, had modest beginnings before it took over the world. So let's pretend you have a friend who's uh, starting his or her own business, and they're kind of discouraged because things look bleak. They're struggling, you know? They're personally boxing all their books, you know? They're personally driving their product to the post office to ship it, and they're just discouraged. You might say to them, hey, hang in there. I know it looks bleak now, but remember, mighty oaks from little acorns grow. So hang in there. Don't give up. Keep going, knowing that in the end, it will be worth it. Well, friends, in a nutshell, that's Jesus's message through the two parables that we're studying today, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. He's going to tell us through these parables, hang in there, keep going, don't give up, knowing that in the end, it will be worth it. Now, I love today's sermon because today's sermon is a sermon of encouragement. Last week's was as well. I can't make any promise for next week. I haven't got started with it yet. Next week I'm prepping for Easter, and that's going to be a standalone message outside of Matthew's series. So no promises for what's to come, but last week and this week, both are focused on encouraging God's children to keep the faith. Don't give up. Hang in there. It's going to be worth it in the end. Now, I love a sermon like this. I mean, sometimes my assignment is to come and give a very confrontational message, share a very difficult truth, and I try to be faithful uh, to the task when that's my assignment for that given week. But today, my assignment, I love it. It's just to encourage the children of God. Now, the disciples needed encouragement, and that's why Jesus gave it to them. The question, of course, then begs, why did Jesus' disciples need encouragement? And the answer is because of two other parables that Jesus had shared with them. Let's back up a little bit in this mini-series, and let's remember right now the parable of the soils. The parable of the soils. In that parable, Jesus told his disciples, you're going to be spreading the good news of the gospel throughout the world, and as you share, there's going to be four different types of soil. The first soil won't receive your message. The second soil won't receive your message. The third soil won't receive your message. 
Oh, the fourth one, sometimes they will. So they're discouraged. Jesus tells them through the parable of the soils that the vast majority of people are not going to receive the gospel message that the disciples would work to share in this world. From that parable, Jesus moves on to share the parable of the weeds. And in this parable, Jesus says, I need you to understand that right now, believers and unbelievers will uh, be intermingled and intertwined together in this age. In the age to come, God will root out evil from the world. But in this age, the age that you live in, Jesus says, the wicked will be present. And they will serve Satan by working in this world to trip you up and help you to fall spiritually and Satan's behind all of it. So not only will most people reject your message, but you will be opposed by Satan himself along with Satan's children in this world. And so the disciples are like, all right, well, we believe that Jesus is the great king that God promised to send into the world. But with all this opposition, with all this rejection, with all this promise of Satan and his children working against the children of God in the world, man, how in the world is this kingdom ever going to come to be? Now, I want you to understand something. They believed the promises. They believed the prophecies given throughout the Old Testament, such as the one given in Psalm 72, verse 8, that ultimately Messiah would rule from sea to sea and to the ends of the earth. They likewise believed the prophecy in verse 11. They believed of Messiah that one day all kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. Oh, they believed that in the end the kingdom of the world would become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. But at present... It seemed impossible to them that it would ever happen. It just seemed impossible. It's like this. Imagine you came to Jeff Bezos back in 1994 and said, hey, I just want to tell you something about the future. In the future, by 2023, you're going to have not two employees. You're going to have 1.5 million. You're not going to have zero profits. You're going to have 512 billion. And you're not going to have one mediocre fulfillment center in your living room, you're going to have these massive ones, 175 of them across the United States and around the world. Jeff would probably be like, well, that sounds really exciting. <laughs> uh, hope that comes to pass. But how in the world are we going to go from here where we are now to that grand picture that you've just painted of the future? Well, friends, this is exactly what Jesus did to his disciples. He painted them a grand picture of the future. In other words, he told them in 1994 what it was going to be like in 2023. And they wanted it to happen. They were excited about the prospect of it happen, but they viewed it as realistic as Jeff Bezos might had you told him all that would come from his humble beginnings. They wanted it to happen. They believed it was going to happen. But because of the rejection, because of the opposition, because the religious leaders were plotting the death of their leader, they just said, how in the world is Jesus going to win in the end? And so Jesus comes along and by way of encouragement shares the two parables that we're studying today. And I think the parables are going to encourage us the same way they encouraged Jesus' disciples 2,000 years ago. Now, today we're going to begin with them. 
Because it's only once we properly understand what Jesus' teaching meant to those to whom he originally gave it that you and I can make sense of it and can make application from it for our lives today. So that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to begin with them, and then we're going to end with us. So hang with me. We will get to us in time. Here's a little outline of where we're going today. First, I'm going to share with you the stories. Second, I'm going to share with you the symbols. And third, I'm going to share with you the significance. If you're taking notes, we begin with the stories. The stories. Picking up in verse 31, we read this. He, Jesus, put another parable before them, meaning his disciples whom he was instructing privately, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He then told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is also like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. So friends, those are the two stories. One is about a mustard seed planted in a field, and the other is about leaven that's put in a batch of dough. And from these two word pictures, Jesus teaches us important lessons about the kingdom of heaven, about the kingdom that he will one day rule over forever. Now, I thought it was interesting. In Jesus' day, the men did the farming, uh, the women did the baking, and in sharing these two different illustrations, one about a man uh, planting mustard seed in the field, and one about a woman putting leaven in a batch of dough, Jesus was sharing the great truths of the kingdom uh, in a way that everyone in his audience could understand. So friends, those are the stories. One about a mustard seed, one about leaven. And now that you've heard the stories, let's next turn our attention to the symbols. The symbols. Because without understanding what everything in the story represents, we're not going to make any sense of what the story means for us. So let's turn our attention to the symbols. In the first parable, with a special focus on the men, perhaps, Jesus says, I want to teach you about the kingdom of heaven. I want to teach you about the kingdom that I'm going to one day rule over forever. And to help you understand what it's going to be like, let me share with you something you're intimately familiar with. Jesus lived in an agrarian society. People made their money by their crops and their flocks. And so Jesus uses an illustration they could readily relate to. And he talks to them about planting a mustard seed in a field. Jesus was saying this, the mustard seed, which is super small, gets planted in the ground, and you might not expect much from it because of its diminutive size. However, give it rain, give it sunlight, and give it a little time, and it will grow and grow and grow until it turns into a, a, a large and strong tree that it completely eclipses all other garden plants, which is a pretty impressive ending for something that starts so small. And Jesus is saying to his audience, likewise, the kingdom of heaven, here's the lesson, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that I'm going to rule over forever, it will start small. But in time, give it time, 
And like the mustard seed, it will grow and it will grow and it will grow until in the end it completely eclipses not all other garden plants, rather all other kingdoms that have ever existed in the history of the world. And it's going to be a pretty impressive ending, Jesus is saying, for something that started so small. Now, in the second parable, with a special focus on the women, perhaps, Jesus says, I am going to teach you as well about the kingdom that I will rule over forever one day. And to help you understand the lesson I'm going to share in a way where you'll be able to easily comprehend what I'm saying. So let me give you uh, uh, an illustration that's common to your everyday life that you'll totally be able to understand. And so Jesus says, in essence, let me talk to you for a minute about yeast. Jesus says, you know how when you add yeast to dough, the yeast spreads throughout the entire batch and the women are going, yep, yep. And even the men, yep, yep. And Jesus says, you know how you only use a small amount of yeast, but when you add it to the dough, it spreads throughout the entire batch. It just spreads and spreads and spreads until its influence has infiltrated and, and penetrated and spread throughout the entire batch of dough. And everyone in this audience, the men, the women, everyone's just going, yeah, yeah, we get that. And he goes, okay, let me use that to teach you something about my future kingdom. He says, oh, it starts small now. In the same way, you only use a little bit of yeast in a big batch of dough. But though the little bit of yeast you use is small to start, it spreads and it spreads and it spreads until its influence permeates every little inch of that dough. And Jesus says, that's what it's going to be like in my kingdom. It's going to start small. But its influence will spread and spread and spread until there is not a corner in the entire earth where the influence of the kingdom of heaven will not be felt. That's the truth I want to teach you about the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's interesting because maybe I'm supposed to relate more to the farming illustration, but I actually relate, re relate more to the baking illustration. I do more baking than I do farming. <laughs> My wife, Kristen, said to me not a year ago, hey, can you learn how to make sourdough bread? And since I research for a living, I said, sure, I'll do that. But then once I figure out how to do it, uh, you got to go ahead and kind of run the system that I create. And we shook hands and said, deal, you know. And so I did the research and then created a system, and now she follows that. So every week we pull out, just about every week, we pull out that starter dough, uh, pull out the starter, which is the leaven, which is the yeast, and we add it to the flour and the other ingredients, the salt and whatnot, mix it all up, and that yeast, over time, it doesn't happen instantly, understand. It actually depends on the ambient temperature of your home. That determines how long it takes for the yeast to spread throughout the batch of dough. I told you I'm a researcher. If it's a little warmer in your house, it'll take 8 to 10 hours. If it's a little colder in your house, it'll take even longer. But over time, give it time. When you introduce yeast to a batch of dough, it'll spread throughout. And that's what causes the bread to rise, which means that's what causes the bread to be fluffy, and it's what causes the bread to be delicious. So Jesus is saying, hey, that's what it's going to be like in my kingdom. And it was really interesting. I had to ask Angie, our next-gen pastor, uh, to get some of her starter uh, because she's been doing it for years. And so I said, hey, can you spare some? 
And she said, oh, I got my starter from a bakery in Northampton, and then I added it to my own, and I've been keeping it going for years. And the longer you have it, the more complex the flavor becomes. And so I was very excited uh, to get that starter from Angie, and that's what we now have kept alive for uh, many months. But it's a great illustration of what it's going to be like with Jesus' kingdom. Start small, spread and spread and spread until it influences the whole world. So back to your notes, as far as symbolism goes, the parable of the mustard seed speaks to the future size of Jesus' kingdom, while the parable of the leaven speaks to the future influence of Jesus' kingdom. Through these two parables, Jesus foretells that his kingdom will start small, but it'll grow and grow and grow, and its influence will also start small, but it will spread and spread and spread until the kingdom and its influence literally takes over the world. And those are the symbols of the story. Now that you've seen the story and the symbols, let's thirdly and finally note the significance of these parables for us. If we're going to capture the true significance of this passage, we have to back up and just remember what we started with. Jesus' disciples are discouraged. When they look around, they see opposition to the gospel and they see rejection of the gospel. All they want to do is see it take off. All they want to do is see Jesus become king, overthrow the Romans, set up his kingdom, take over the world, and none of it's happening. In fact, in a few weeks, we'll read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, after which the people said, Jesus, we want to crown you king. And Jesus turns down the crown. And his disciples are just confused. They're perplexed. What kind of king turns down a crown? Jesus, why aren't you, like we talked about last week, raining down fire from heaven in fulfillment of prophecy to burn up the enemies of God? And Jesus rebukes those who make such a suggestion. So they're, they're confused. And because Jesus shared the parable of the soils and the parable of the weeds, which foretold that what they would experience is rejection uh, from the people and satanic opposition from their arch nemesis. And they're like, and this is how the kingdom's supposed to take over the world. What is, they are discouraged. They are downtrodden. They are morose. They're drowning in the depths of despair. And so Jesus lovingly comes along and shares with them the two parables that we've studied today. And his message to them is simple. Guys, things won't always be like this. It's not always going to be this way. The way it is now, it's a temporary situation. The rejection, the opposition, the rampant spread of evil, it's all temporary. And this gave Jesus' disciples hope. And the hope that they received from the message of these parables is what helped most of them, not all of them, most of them, to persevere through the difficult times they were living through. The times they were living through which were characterized by rejection and opposition. Now they say we need hope to cope. And it's true. And that's why I'm so happy we're studying these parables today because these parables give you and I the same hope they gave to Jesus' disciples. And the hope that we have because of Jesus' promise, 
helps us to persevere through this age in which we now live, a time-limited age that is also characterized by rejection and opposition. So I think this is just such timely encouragement for us. We, like Jesus' disciples, from time to time get discouraged because of all the rejection and opposition. If you've ever tried to share your faith with more than one person, you likely have experienced rejection, opposition, potential uh, hostility, and it can be discouraging. We sometimes get discouraged because so few seem interested in our message. We're like, this can save you. You know, and we're like, oh, I'm not interested. Not at all. Not even remotely interested with some people. And you you just get discouraged. We can get discouraged because every new Gallup or Barna report that comes out seems to show the general public's declining interest in spiritual matters or in church. We can get discouraged because the world seems to be getting more and more wicked, where culture at large is adopting the values and the morals and the worldviews of Satan and not God. So sometimes we say to ourselves, Jesus is going to win in the end? I mean, I want to believe it, but it sure don't seem that way right now. And many a people have given up in the midst of the discouragement that comes when we kind of look at the spiritual landscape and see the winds are not blowing in Jesus' favor at the moment. They're kind of blowing the wrong way. But friends, I came to tell you today something very encouraging. Here's your next fill in the blank. I came to tell you today that what Jesus promised is exactly what's taking place. And I want you to capture this today. I want you to understand this today. I want you to see it for yourselves because I know the encouragement that it brought to me when I saw it, and now I want to pass that encouragement along to you. So here's the deal. Exactly what Jesus promised would happen is what's happening. So what did Jesus say? Where did it all begin? He said, my kingdom's going to start small. It's going to be so small you could compare it to a mustard seed, one of the smallest of all seeds, or you could compare it to a tiny little bit of yeast that's put in a huge batch of dough. That's how small my kingdom is going to start. But what did Jesus say? He said, my kingdom will grow. Friends, though the kingdom started small, I mean, it started with less than 12. In time, it grew to 12. And one of them was false, so we're back down to 11. On After Jesus' ascension to heaven and resurrection on the day of Pentecost... The gospel writer Luke tells us in the book of Acts that there was only 120 after his death and resurrection. So so talk about starting small. It was in reality less than 12, and then it grew only to 120. So that was kind of the beginning of of Jesus' kingdom. And his kingdom wasn't even visible on the earth. He only reigned in the hearts of the 120. But what what happens when we go from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 2? The 120 turns into 3,000. And then what happens is we move to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5. The 3,000 turns into 5,000. And then what happens as we move into Acts chapter 6? We'll take a look for yourself. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Even after it had grown to over 5,000 people, the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Then as we keep reading our Bible in the book of Acts, what we learn is that the gospel began spreading 
not solely at the hands of the Apostle Paul, but primarily at the hands of the Apostle Paul as well as the other apostles. The Apostle Paul was God's specially chosen instrument to go ahead and preach the gospel and start churches throughout the entire Roman Empire. And the gospel continued to spread. And friends, what I want you to understand, in case you don't know, is that the gospel has continued to spread since the start of the church. It began over there in Palestine, and it has just spread and spread and spread. So though the kingdom at the time of Christ was experiencing so much rejection as illustrated in the parable of the soils and experienced so much opposition as illustrated in the parable of the weeds, what Jesus said would happen is exactly what has happened over the last 2,000 years. Let me show you a video that kind of brings this to life. Go ahead and take a look. I know it was a lot to take in all at once, but if you uh, were paying attention, what you saw is the Roman Empire come and go. Then you saw the Byzantine Empire come and go. Then you saw the kingdom of the Mongols come and go. Then you saw, uh, you know what I mean, just over and over and over the kingdoms, they come, they peak, they close. But what has happened to the kingdom of Christ? Even though now he's only ruling in the hearts of his people and is not yet physically ruling on the earth, what has happened to the kingdom of Jesus? As the other kingdoms have come and gone, the kingdom of Jesus has continued to expand. It's continued to grow. And so, friends, do you see what Jesus promised would happen is exactly what has happened. And the significance of that for us who live today is this. Because everything Jesus said has come to pass and is tracking towards what he's ultimately promised, you and I can have hope and faith in him that everything that has not yet come true will in time come to pass. Remember the starter, remember the leaven, remember the yeast? I said, oh, it doesn't permeate the batch of dough instantly. It takes eight to 10 hours depending on the temperature of your room. Well, friends, in the same way, it doesn't happen instantly, but what Jesus has said is coming to pass. 
Jesus said it's going to start small, and then it's going to grow and grow and grow. It's going to start small, but then its influence will begin to permeate the entire world. And friends, we've seen 2,000 years of history giving testimony that the words of Jesus were true. Now, Jesus didn't just say it's just going to like spread and spread and then stop. He said it's going to spread and spread and spread until the kingdom of Jesus takes over the world. Until the time where the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever. And friends, things are heading in that direction. And that ought to bring us great encouragement because Jesus predicted all this when it seemed impossible for his prediction to come true. He said his kingdom would grow and grow and spread and spread when it was just the 12 apostles and a handful of others. And he said, let me tell you where we're going. Oh, it might be 1994 now. We might be packing books in our living room floor and driving them personally to the post office. But let me tell you what's coming in 2023. We're going from 2 to 1.5 million employees. We're going from one fulfillment center to 175 across the United States and around the world. We're going from zero profit in year one to 512 billion in 2023. This is where we're heading. This is where we're heading. This is where we're heading. Now, friends, it's great because 11 of the 12 believed and hung in there by faith. 11 of the 12, but unfortunately, one of them did not. Judas. Judas said, I see all the opposition. I see all the rejection. I see the religious leaders plotting with their mortal enemies, the Herodians, to come up with a plot to put Jesus to death. I see which way the winds are blowing because Judas only had his eyes on the here and on the now. And so that's the only thing he was paying attention to. What's happening now? The other disciples looked through eyes of faith at what would become. And if we, like Judas, only look at the here and now, and we see the opposition, and we see the rejection, and we see the rampant spread of evil, we're going to go the way of Judas. What did he do? He said, there's no way that what Jesus has promised can come true, so I'm just going to cash in while I can. And he sold Jesus over to the religious leaders for 30 pieces of silver. But that's what so many people do nowadays, isn't it? A lot of people look with the eyes of Judas only at the here and now, only at what they can see. They forget that everything Jesus has promised is taking place, and they forget that because everything he said so far has happened, that we can have confidence that everything he said about the future will also take place. And what do people do? They sell out just like Judas. They betray Jesus. They turn away from Jesus, and they cash in on everything that this life has to offer. Friends, it was foolish for Judas, and it's just as foolish for us. So don't go the way of Judas. Be like the other 11 who had faith. Oh, you'll have bouts of doubt, as did Thomas, but even Thomas overall believed that what Jesus said would come to pass. And the 11 didn't want to miss out when Jesus' kingdom materialized. And friends, we don't want to miss out either. So I'll tell you, in my own words, what Jesus basically told his disciples. All the rejection, it's temporary. 
All the opposition, it's temporary. All the existence of evil in this world, it's temporary. The many temptations that trip us up, thank you, Jesus, they are temporary. Our sin nature, it's temporary. Pain and suffering, it's temporary. But friends, understand, it's temporary only for those who by faith trust Jesus to forgive them of their sins and to make them citizens of the coming kingdom. Oh, right now he rules in our hearts by faith, but in the future he is going to physically return and he's going to set up an actual kingdom here on earth. Now, friends, don't get so discouraged living in the middle of the church age, which is characterized by opposition and rejection. Don't get so discouraged during this age that you miss out on the age to come. Jesus has told us plainly what this age is going to be like. It is going to appear as if Satan is winning. The Lord has told us this in advance. And Satan's kingdom is going to appear to be the one that wins in the end. His kingdom and his influence Right now, just so everyone knows, it's more like Satan's kingdom is like the tiny mustard seed that's growing and growing into the, into the big mustard tree in the end. It looks like Satan's kingdom is the little leaven that started small and is growing and growing and growing until it influences every corner of the earth. That's the way it appears to be now. But friends, what do we read in our Bible? I mean, once the church is raptured and then the seven-year tribulation begins, now it really looks like Satan's going to win. But right when it looks like victory is imminent for Satan and his kingdom, that is the very moment that God the Father crowns Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords and sends him from heaven to earth. The Bible says he'll land on the Mount of Olives. It'll split in two. Jesus will overthrow the kingdom of Satan and establish a kingdom of his own. God the Father will give him dominion and glory and a kingdom that is everlasting. Jesus will reign on the earth for a thousand years, and after the thousand years is over, he will relocate his kingdom to the new heavens and the new earth. And all the children of God will live forever as citizens of the kingdom of heaven forever. So the message today to us is this. Hang in there. Don't give up. Everything we experience now is temporary. All of history is marching towards the time when Jesus will begin to reign. So don't give up. Something so much better is coming in the future. And let the hope of what we've learned today carry you through and help you to persevere through the church age in which we now live, which is characterized by opposition and rejection. It's just temporary. So don't turn away. Don't go the way of Judas. Don't trade the invaluable treasure that you've received in being a child of God for what this world has to offer. Keep serving Jesus. It'll be worth it in the end. Imagine if Jeff Bezos had been discouraged packing the boxes in his living room floor. He said, oh, I'm so tired of the traffic bringing these books to the store, to the post office to ship, and he just gave up. Imagine that. Oh, how tragic that would be. Imagine if he said, oh, after a year, I've been going for a year, zero profit, I give up. 
Look at all he would have missed out on now. Let me tell you, you give up now, you're going to miss up. You miss out on something of infinite more value than any treasure Jeff Bezos has. So don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Mighty oaks from little acorns grow. So hang in there because it's going to be worth it in the end. Can I pray for you? Those of you online, everyone in the foyer, everyone here in the auditorium, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this encouraging message that we desperately needed to hear. God, it can be so discouraging living in the world that we live in where immorality is rampant, we're tripped up in so many temptations and sin, and it uh, seems like Satan's winning, and we try to be obedient to your word and share our faith, but uh, this age is characterized by rejection and opposition and hostility, and it's just a discouraging time to live. And so, God, many of us are tempted at times uh, to turn our backs, to give up, to just cash in on what the world has to offer in the way Judas did. But God, we pray today for your help, not to go the way of Judas, but help us, God, to go the way of faith. Help us to not just look with temporal eyes. Help us to look with eyes of faith to the future, to the time where Jesus is ruling over his kingdom and to us being citizens in that kingdom forever. God, help us to not give up. Help us to persevere. Help us to be faithful to Jesus and faithful to being his disciples while we await the complete fulfillment. God, today we're encouraged by the video we watched to see how the gospel message and how churches have spread to nearly every corner of the earth. And God, we know that it's going to go even beyond that. It'll grow and grow and grow. And its influence will spread and spread and spread until it literally takes over the world. God, how we long for that day. As Jesus taught us to pray, we pray, your kingdom come. That's what we want. God, help us to persevere between now and then. Pray for every person here that they'd be encouraged, that their spirit would be uplifted, that they'd feel the strength they need to serve Jesus as a disciple for just one more day, for just one more week. God, help them to keep going, I pray. And I ask in Jesus' precious name, amen. Want to get a glimpse of that sourdough starter that Mike talked about in his sermon today, New Day? here it is. The message today was for believers, but maybe you are here today and you've yet to believe. But even the greatest of faiths have started small somewhere. Like this sourdough starter, maybe for one of you watching, your faith in Jesus needs to begin today. If that's you, I want to encourage you right here from my very own kitchen to place your faith in Jesus, to be your Lord and your Savior. He died and rose again for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. And if you decide to believe in him, you will be saved. And that faith that Mike spoke about today will begin in you. And guess what will happen in due time? That's right. It will grow and mature into a true and mature faith that will spread and spread and ultimately influence the whole world. Congratulations to those of you who are deciding to place your faith in Jesus today. Please go to guest services if you're in person or use our chat online to let somebody know you made that decision before you leave and we'll be sure to get you a free Bible. Now, may God bless you and use you to spread the good news throughout the whole world. Thanks for experiencing this message with us. Do you want more New Day Church in your life? Well, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. 
Want to take a next step in your faith? Our Church Center app is the best place to get more connected. So just download the free app on your app store today and be sure to choose New Day Church in Enfield, Connecticut. We are able to offer this sermon and all others like it only because of your faithful financial support. Thank you to all of you who so faithfully give each week. If you feel led to support our ministry financially, just go to our website at newdaychurch.cc forward slash give. Thank you in advance. May God richly bless you and we hope to see you again real soon.